Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Hi, it's really great to be with all of you. Um, as Reverend Ellis just said, I am Holly. I'm Holly Bishu. Um, I think that to start this off, you should know a few things about me. So first, I'm a youth pastor. Um, actually, one of my former youth is in the room today. I'm not going to point him out just so I don't make him embarrassed, but one of my former youth is in the room today. Um, I am passionate about Jesus. I just really love him. He's incredible. And I am passionate about racial justice because I believe in a kingdom that's coming that is for every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that is the vision we are given in the Bible. And so I believe that is God's heart. And I love, love talking about it. So if you ever encounter me, please ask me about that. I would love to tell you about how God talks about race and his vision for a kingdom that is for everyone. I grew up in Surrey. Uh, so really close to here, just down, down the highway. Uh, I now live in Vancouver, which is where I've been working and living and going to school for the past 10 years. And I have actually had a lot of friends come through here, come through Trinity. And so uh, it was really fun to get to text a bunch of them and be like, so I'm speaking at chapel at Trinity. Got a lot of very good responses. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, I am, as Reverend Alice said, I am in the book of Esther. And when I saw this passage, I was like, oh, no. I don't know how to talk about this. <laughs> but um, by God's grace, I've seen some things that I hope to share with you. And uh, I also asked a friend to help me, and he was really helpful. So you'll hear a quote from him. <laughs> um, but let me pray for us, and then I'm just going to dive in. Living God, you are so good, so good. And it is such a privilege to be here today and open your word to share from this text. God, we believe that the Bible is the word that you have breathed out and that every word um, has come from you. And so we believe that it can be instructive to us um, because you are that good, that you would, you would give us your words to live by. And so, Lord, I pray that as I share, would you be the one speaking Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you empower the words that I say? And anything that is not of you, would you just let it fall away? Um, be blown away like chaff and not remembered. And anything that is of you, would you let it take root and grow by your power? We love you, Lord. And it is because you lived and died and rose again, Jesus, that we can even be here today. And so I pray that we feel free to pull it up, <laughs> um, which is probably more likely. Uh, we're going to be in Esther 5, 9 to 14. And I will be reading out of, oh, this is even better. I will be reading uh, from the CSB, uh, but you'll you'll be able to keep up. Okay, that day, Haman left full of joy and in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai did not rise or tremble in fear at his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet Haman controlled himself and went home. He sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh to join him. Then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over the other officials in the royal staff. What's more, Haman said, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she had prepared. I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. 
Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, have them build a gallows 75 feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. Then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this series, y'all have already met Esther. <laughs> she is a young woman who has to marry the king after the king is displeased with his last wife, which is a whole other thing. Uh, it turns out that Esther is a Jew, and she has kept this information from the king at the request of Mordecai, the cousin who raised her. Genius choice on Mordecai's part. He's thinking ahead. See, he ends up making Haman mad at one point, and he uncovers this plot. See, he's not going to bow to Haman, and Haman, well, um, to put it lightly, Haman goes off. He loses it. Talking about, kill all the Jews. Just because one man will not bow to him. I want you to take note of this because it comes up again. Anyways, Mordecai is like, Esther, what are you going to do about this? Because you best believe if the Jews are going to be killed, that's you too. <laughs> Esther is afraid because fair enough, he's the king. He has a lot of power. He threw his last wife out for very, very poor reasons. And she could lose her position or she could be killed, or she could get everyone killed faster. The stakes are really high. But Mordecai is a real one. He reminds her that maybe, just maybe, she was made queen for such a time as this. Esther gets herself together, she comes correct and looking fine, and she asks Haman the king, and the king to a feast. And this is where we jump into the story. So. Verse 9 says that Haman is in good spirits after he left the feast that he was invited to. But then he saw Mordecai. And Mordecai does what he did before. He does not bow to him. He does not even stand. And the text even says he doesn't tremble. Now Haman, he is incensed. He's angry. How dare Mordecai slight him again? Who does Mordecai think he is? See, we're about to find out exactly who Haman sees himself as. And this is the first thing we're going to notice. Haman's joy was entirely predicated on his circumstances. One more time, Haman's joy and happiness was entirely dependent on his circumstance. All it took was Mordecai not getting up when Haman passed by and that was it. His day was ruined. This day where he just got invited to a feast and was the only one other than the king invited to it. And it's ruined because one man will not stand up. So I tried to think about what this would look like in my own life. And I feel like, for me, it would look like getting invited to Beyonce's house and getting angry because my friend didn't like my tweet about it. Because that's how that would go down. I would definitely tweet that. It's seemingly inconsequential thing, and it sent Haman into a rage. Now, yes, Haman is due a certain amount of honor because of his position. But Mordecai is a Jew, and this is important. He knows the true God of Israel, and though God's name is never mentioned in this book, he is in behind the story because all the words in the Bible are the word of God. 
See, Mordecai knows the true God of Israel and that God has commanded that Mordecai should only bow before him. That same God is the one who raises up deliverance and places people in in spots for such a time as this. So when Haman passes and Mordecai doesn't bow or even tremble, he isn't afraid of the consequences because he knows who's on his side. And this is the massive difference between them. While Mordecai serves the one true God who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, Haman serves only himself and his pride. And his pride is exacting, expecting to constantly be fed. As my friend Benjamin Young said, his heart was home to an idol with a bottomless belly. When Mordecai would not stand and recognize him and felt no need to tremble in that choice, the idol turned into a beast and consumed Haman with rage. Friends, we too will be like Haman if we build our lives on our pride. In an institution like this, where you are being taught new things all the time and you are gaining knowledge, the temptation can be to find your confidence in your own achievements. Or maybe it's in your athletic prowess, or maybe in your musical ability, or maybe it's in your ability to network. All of these things are gifts to you from the Lord, and they can be good things, but are they where you are finding your confidence? If so, I'm sorry to say that you may one day find yourself like Haman, walking past a small situation enraged as the idol-turned-beast inside of you screams. We must, we must find our confidence in the Lord. When we look to him and his prior faithfulness to us, we can look at our circumstances, good or bad though they may be, and proclaim, my God is still good, so I will be okay. I will look to him instead. We too can declare like the psalmist did in Psalm 56, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So Haman, he goes on home. And the text, in fact, says that he essentially bit his tongue and waited to rage until he got home to his wife. And then he gets petty. He calls his wife over, he calls his friends over, and then he hypes himself up. Sitting there feeling good about himself, And he doesn't hold back, just thing after thing after thing, detailing why Haman is the man. And honestly, if I were in that room, I would have been rolling my eyes (laughs) so hard you could hear it. The text really says that Haman described his glorious wealth and all of his sons. Yeah, no, I couldn't have handled it. (laughs) I would have just been like, I'm out of here. But his friends and his wife, they sit through his not at all biased view of himself. And then he gets to the part about Mordecai. He describes how none of all that he has, all of it, satisfies him. Why? Because he sees Mordecai, a man who has none of what he has, none of the privilege, none of the power, an oppressed man. He sees him sitting at the gate, not bowing down to him. And that was enough to to make none of it matter anymore. And how do the people around him respond? What do his wife and his friends say? Do they check him and say, nah, bro, you're tripping. (laughs) You've got so much. He can't harm you. They surely don't. Instead, they encourage this pride and this anger in him and stoke it further. They tell him to construct gallows and have Mordecai killed. 
than to go enjoy himself. This is the next thing I want you to notice. It matters who you surround yourself with. Once more, it matters who you surround yourself with. You see, Haman chose people who would only encourage the worst in him. Friends and a wife who spoke to his pride instead of speaking life over him. In fact, they led him straight to death. At Facebook, people who, who will encourage what is true and beautiful and good. People who will encourage you in the way of Jesus. Choose wisely, lest you be led as Haman was. And maybe it won't be death directly, but there can be much suffering. The text ends with this. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. This is a man who was so incensed about Mordecai that he went home and raged. He legit called his friends over to his house so he could rage to them. He wanted an audience to this. And that beast we talked about, the idol in his heart, it had so consumed him that he was pleased to imagine the death of Mordecai at his own hand. This is what got Haman's spirits up, the thought of killing Mordecai. And this is where I think we must take our last lesson. How strongly are we holding on to our own power and privilege? See, for Haman, the thought of someone not recognizing his power, of someone trampling upon his privilege, was so injurious that he figured the correct punishment was death. The man whom he sought to kill, however, was already sentenced to death. Where we have it, we are to use it for the betterment of others. That same passage in Philippians 2 calls us to have the same attitude as Christ. So do you? Are you willing to lay down your pride, your power, your privilege for someone, even if they don't deserve it? See, that is what you have been given, what you have received in Christ Jesus, and what you have been called to as a believer in Jesus. If you have put your trust in Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection, then you have been called to this. And friends, the inheritance that you've been given in Jesus is far beyond anything this world could give you. But the way to that inheritance is not through gaining power, but losing it. Paul said in Philippians 3, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. In the loss of the things this world deems worth having, we gain so much more. Unfortunately for Haman, his pride and community only encouraged the worst in him. His confidence in the wrong place, he could only see rage and his clamor for, for power. And in the end, Haman would die for the same power he lived for. But friends, this doesn't have to be our story. The story can be different for us because Jesus invites us into a life confident in him, lived in community and laying down our power and privilege for a far greater inheritance found in him. Let me pray for us. Living God, thank you for your words.
Jesus, thank you that you lived, died, and rose again and took our place and have shown that death is not the end, and so we too live now, and we live in your resurrection power. Thank you that you are coming back, and you have given us this beautiful inheritance. Lord, I pray over my friends that you would send them out into this campus and into the city of Langley and wherever else you may take them, Lord, um, and that they would live in this resurrection power, that they would remember their confidences in you and your prior faithfulness, and that they can, they can rely on you and do not need to clamor for power and privilege and esteem in the world's eyes because you have already esteemed them and given them life everlasting. I pray that they would surround themselves with people who, who point them to you. Lord, send them out and make them your people in this, in this city, on this campus, in this nation. We pray these things in your mighty and powerful name, Jesus, because you died and rose again for your glory and our joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWChapel. Until next time, much love.